The New Orleans Saints give an update on Taysom Hill's foot injury, sign eight players to future reserve contracts. But first, New Orleans Saints head coach Sean Payton should be the NFL's coach of the year. Let's talk about why. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks, as always, for making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. And don't forget, we're free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, Canal Street Chronicles, Locked On NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday. Yes, even throughout the offseason on Locked On Saints. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at OnlineGambling.com, the place you need to go to get all of the latest gambling news and all of the tips that you need throughout the NFL playoffs. Visit OnlineGambling.com slash NFL so that you can get the edge over the competition throughout this year's playoffs. On today's episode, I want to make sure that we're talking about the big uh, sort of end to the season and what it means for New Orleans Saints head coach Sean Payton. This is the episode now on Tuesday following Black Monday, where we watched the Bears, the Broncos, the Dolphins, the Vikings all moving on from their head coach. And Black Monday has not been, I might have just said Black Friday, but anyway, Black Monday has not been something that the New Orleans Saints fans, the Houdat Nation, has had to think about in 15, 16 years now, right? Because Sean Payton is the New Orleans Saints, right? He is the New Orleans Saints head coach. He ain't going anywhere. He's got enough cachet and all that stocked up. And then now you come out of this season with everything that the New Orleans Saints went through with a nine and eight record on the brink of playoffs, just needed some help from across the country. You didn't get it and that's okay. And so the New Orleans Saints had their season come to an end, what feels like prematurely, right? Because of the fact that we've seen the New Orleans Saints in the playoffs every year since 2017. This year we do not. But is that enough? For anyone to rule out Sean Payton? Of course not. So Monday's conversations around head coaches around the NFL, stuff like that, is only relevant to New Orleans because there are potential head coaching candidates within the New Orleans Saints organization with guys like Dennis Allen. I think you might be able to throw a guy like Ryan Nielsen in there at some point and all of that, right? A rising star like Ronald Curry, who's not going to get head coaching calls this year, but certainly somebody to watch in the future. So when I look at what the New Orleans Saints have in Sean Payton, it's stability. And that stability rode this New Orleans Saints team, or rather drove this New Orleans Saints team to a final record of nine and eight, which in most seasons would be disappointing, but in this season was an overachievement, right? We don't have to rehash everything that this New Orleans Saints team has went through. They faced adversity and they navigated adversity, all of that. And that was all on the backs Uh, or the back of Sean Payton, as well as everyone else around there that busted their tails, right? But the culture of the New Orleans Saints, the fight, the competitive measure, the, 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 the winning culture, all of that starts at head coach Sean Payton and kind of trickles down throughout the, 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 uh, the roster, the organization, the coaches, everybody. So when I look at who it is that deserves the coach of the year award this season, Sean Payton is the obvious answer to me. And there are people that I think compete with him. We'll talk about that in a little while. And there are going to be reasons that I think the NFL is not going to give Sean Payton the head coach of the year award. But 
I want to stake the claim, right? And I want to stake the claim for you because I know that I, many of you have reached out and you have said the same thing. You have felt the same way. And I, I do too. I think that Sean Payton has a real claim to the coach of the year award, especially when you try to take a look at like out at sort of overproducing your roster. The New Orleans Saints didn't know who was going to be available for them half the time throughout the season. You look at the fact that they didn't have Will Lutz, the fact that they didn't have Michael Thomas throughout the season. That's one level of it. But you also didn't have Jameis Winston for 11 games. You didn't have um, uh, Andrus Pete for 11 games. You, you know, your offensive line, right? No Andrus Pete for 11 games. No Eric McCoy for four games. No uh, Teron Armstead for nine games. No Ryan Ramchick for seven games. You look at that and you tell me that that's the case across it with any other teams in the NFL. In addition to being down QB1 for 11 games, being down QB2 in Taysom Hill for five games, even though some of those were overlapping with Jameis Winston when Jameis Winston was healthy, of course. Having to start Trevor Simeon, having to start Ian Book in a situation, I'm not trying to downplay Ian Book, he just was in a situation where you also had 22 other players that were unavailable and four members of the coaching staff unavailable, and Ian Book didn't throw routes to wide receivers that were running full-speed routes until warm-ups of that Monday night game because they couldn't be in the facility together. Like You look at what Sean Payton and this New Orleans Saints team did throughout the season and what they had to overcome just from the sort of idea of outperforming the roster standpoint, which is oftentimes a big thing that people kind of use as the narrative in support of a coach for coach of the year. Winning a game outperformed what the New Orleans Saints had available a lot throughout this season, right? The fact that they were to come in on a game-to-game basis and compete the way that they did, taking the Tennessee Titans all the way down to the wire, taking the division rival Atlanta Falcons down all the way to the wire, winning two games in which you lost your quarterbacks against division rivals in important games, winning games, uh, you know, sweeping the Super Bowl champions, beating the incumbent uh, MVP in Aaron Rodgers to open up the season, which you didn't even get to play in your actual stadium, by the way. You look at what the New Orleans Saints did just from the quarterback perspective, four starting quarterbacks, and you're missing your starting quarterback for over 10 games. Let's look at two teams. Let's look at teams from the last two years that have done that. The Houston Texans, they didn't have their starting quarterback at all this season with everything going on around Deshaun Watson. How did they end up? Nine and eight? No, they finished four and 13. You look at the Chicago Bears. They didn't have Andy Dalton. They started Andy Dalton, then they switched to uh, Justin Fields, and all of a sudden Nick Foles is the quarterback, then they're going all over the place. They're switching all over. Six and 11 is how they finished up their season. The Miami Dolphins last year in 2020, they finished 10 and six, despite the fact that they you know, switched around with quarterbacks between Jacoby Brissett and Ryan Fitzpatrick and, of course, Tua Tagovailoa. But my point last year in terms of outperforming your roster was that Brian Flores should have won the coach of the year last year. So I'm making a similar argument in favor of Sean Payton. Last year, Kevin Stefanski won. I'll talk about why that's important in, in just a little bit. Jacksonville Jaguars last year, they started off with Gardner Minshew. He ended up missing more than 10 games. They finished 1-15, first overall selection in the NFL. They got Trevor Lawrence out of it. Uh, Washington football team, they moved all the way around. They were a playoff team last year, but finished 7-9. and nine. Taylor Heineke with some you know heroics at the end of the season. Dallas Cowboys, they lost Dak Prescott for several games throughout last season. 6-10. and 10. That's how they finished up with Andy Dalton, who was actually a former starting quarterback in the NFL. Saints didn't have that luxury, except maybe, I guess, Trevor Simeon, but he wasn't a starting quarterback as recently as Andy Dalton was. And then the San Francisco 49ers, who were wrecked by injuries last year. I mean, wrecked by injuries last year. Nick Bosa, the running back room as a whole, the wide receiver room as a whole, Jimmy Garoppolo, they were all over the place in terms of what they weren't able to put on the field last year. How did they finish? Nine and nine and seven last year? Eight and eight last year? No, they were six 
and 10. What the New Orleans Saints went through just roster-wise this season, not even talking about everything else, just roster-wise in terms of injury, in terms of COVID, all of that. The last two seasons when we've seen, when we've seen teams in slightly similar situations, it's a lot of S's, they were lucky to win seven games. In fact, only two of them won seven games more as Washington football team and the Miami Dolphins with Brian Flores, who should have been head coach of the year last year. Now, I can sit here and talk all day about why I think Coach Payton should be coach of the year. Let's talk about why he shouldn't, because I don't think that the arguments against him are very strong. I think there's another very good candidate, and I'll highlight that candidate, and we'll talk a little bit more about another piece of precedent that was set up last year that should work in Sean Payton's favor this year. We got all that as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Now, if we're already having coach of the year candidates, it means we're at the end of the NFL season. And unfortunately, the end of the NFL season also means the beginning of tax season. But don't worry, we have exactly what you need with our friends over at TurboTax. People generally think that unusual circumstances mean complications. But when it comes to TurboTax and their live experts, it's what makes things interesting. Maybe you are a full-time employee that's transitioning to freelancing, or you work a nine-to-five, but you're also doing some ride-sharing in the evenings you know, to kind of pick up a little bit of extra money in all of that. Or maybe you just live, you'll work in one state and you live in another and you need somebody to help you out with that. That's why these TurboTax Live experts are awesome. They are experienced experts that are absolutely dedicated to answering all of your tax questions and making sure that you get the information that you need to be able to not only file your taxes accurately, but maximize your returns as well. So go and check them out. TurboTax Live Experts. You're going to find them over at TurboTax.com. Check it out to learn more. You do your thing. They've got your taxes over at Intuit TurboTax Live. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked On Saints. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen of the day every day. Very grateful to be here and be a part of your routine. Thanks again for making this such an incredible and fun season. Now let's make it an incredible and fun offseason. I do want to take a moment to remind you that we will be here five days a week, all off season as well. And we're going to have some really, really cool stuff. I'm going to be on the road uh, covering some big events, stuff like that throughout the offseason that I'm really excited about and I can't wait to share with you. So we got a lot coming up here across the off season for the Locked On Saints podcast. So thanks as much. Thanks so much for making us your uh, your podcasting home for your Saints content. All right, let's get to continuing on the Sean Payton conversation. Like I said, I can sit here all day and I can talk about why Sean Payton deserves to be coach of the year. But let's talk about what the naysayers might say, right? Let's talk a little bit about what it is that are against him, right? And I want to start with the Saints record because that's always going to be the first thing that's going to come up. They're going to say the Saints didn't make the playoffs. The Saints didn't finish with 10 plus wins. They had a nine and eight win season. Yes, it was a winning season, but you know, you don't really see coaches with less than double digit wins or with single digit wins winning the head coach, you know, the the coach of the year award here in, in the NFL. In fact, we haven't seen a coach really do it since there's two examples. There's two examples and they're different examples. The most immediate example that's actually relevant, I think, might be Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson back in 1990, taking over for the Dallas Cowboys. They had just gone one in 15. They have this incredible draft class and then they move into the 1990 season and they go seven and nine and Jimmy Johnson wins AP uh, coach of the year, right? Now, there's a couple of things from this. First of all, rebounding from one and five 
to seven and nine is pretty freaking impressive. Let's not lie, right? Even like in today's NFL, that would be a huge, uh, a huge boost. But in, in that NFL, when there were wasn't as much parity and everything like that, that was a big deal that you were able to do that, and that Jimmy Johnson was able to do that. So I understand him getting that. Plus, it was a big market team. It was the Dallas Cowboys. Unfortunately, the New Orleans Saints just don't get that kind of love from the NFL like the Dallas Cowboys do and all that. It's why every offseason you're seeing, oh, let's watch out. Sean Payton's going to get traded to the Cowboys and blah, 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 right? Like, they're, like we know, right? Like, they, they don't say it, but we know. So I think that that's probably something. The, the other one to look at is Bruce Arians in 2012 when he became coach of the year on a nine and three record. Now they took, he took over for Chuck Pagano in Indy. And all of a sudden that was a situation to where they had started off. I think it was two and two. And then he steps in, they go nine and three when he takes over. So as an interim coach, he led a, you know, a playoff team and ended up putting the, them in that situation based upon him just kind of jumping in and taking over. Right. So I, I think that that one's a little bit of a different situation, but those are the two examples that you have of single-digit win coaches winning AP Coach of the Year. It doesn't happen often. That's two in the last 31, 32 years, if you include this year. So that's probably the thing. But again, you have to look at more than just the record. And this is one of those things to where like, you're asking potentially too much of the voters that do this at that point because they're national personalities. They don't see everything oftentimes from the perspective of what actually happened within the market where that coach coaches. But there were so many high-profile things to happen to the Saints this year with the hurricane to start off the season, the the salary cap that everyone wanted to talk about all offseason. Now, all of a sudden, they don't want to talk about it anymore when the Saints came out on the better side of it the or on a, on a better side of it than, than expected. Um, the COVID situations, the quarterback situation like these were a lot of high profile things that garnered a lot of attention not just within our market the new orleans market or the gulf coast market but all over the 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 country and all over nfl fandom right in terms of now i know there are a lot of saints fans international shout out to you but also like the the non-saints fans international know about these things i did radio calls in the uk about Jameis winston getting you know, being out for the season, like there were a lot of people paying attention to this. Right. And so I think that could potentially work in the Saints favor in this situation, but the market size and unfortunately the way that the NFL sort of like disbands the small markets or dismisses the small markets that might not work in Sean Payton's favor. And I'm very aware of that when I say, Hey, Sean Payton should be coach of the year. It's kind of wishful thinking that I'm asking people to see the, see it the same way that we see it, that you and I might see it. And, and stuff. And so like, I'm aware of that. I'm not, I'm not like delusional to that idea. The other piece of it is that I've seen people say the Saints can't, no, sorry, Sean Payton can't win coach of the year because the Saints won a game without him. Pump the brakes. Because this is why I mentioned that Kevin Stefanski was so important, right? Last year, Kevin Stefanski won AP coach of the year. And you know, they had a great year, 11 and five year for the Cleveland Browns. They brought him back to the playoffs. It was huge for them. All of this. They also won a playoff game. However, that playoff game that they won was without head coach Kevin Stavansky. Now, I know you're not supposed to factor in playoff stuff. It's only supposed to be regular season, blah, blah, blah. But we know, right? Like all of that still factors in. And so I think that when you look at it, like, yes, Kevin Stavansky helped to lead the Cleveland Browns back to the playoffs, but they won a playoff game without him and lost the playoff game with him when he came back. Uh oh, that's a big deal. So you're telling me that somehow or another, the New Orleans Saints 
winning a game in which you gave up zero points on the defensive side without Sean Payton, right? And you didn't score a touchdown in that game without your offensive genius mastermind on the sideline, that that is somehow going to knock him out of coach of the year consideration when last year's coach of the year's team won a shootout of a playoff game without him and then lost when they got him back? No, no, no. I don't think that's right. So that's my, those are my big things. Like when we talk about what it is that stands in the way of Sean Payton, those are kind of the two biggest arguments. What's the record? Did they make the, or the three biggest arguments? What's the record? Did they make the playoffs? And then the fact that they won a game without him, right? And we have to be real too, right? Like even them winning a game without him is because of that culture. All those things we talked about in the first segment, him setting sort of the example, the winning mentality, all of that, that comes from Coach Payton. You know, right? When everyone we talked to Dennis Allen after after the win, right? Even before the win, everything he credited was no, we're in a good situation because of what Coach Payton has done. Coach Payton was still very involved. He was doing digital stuff, all of that. I'm sure Kevin Stefanski did all that too, but they still won without him and then they lost when they got him. And that's not the case with head coach Sean Payton. Okay. So there's all of that. Now, the other piece to all this is the competition, right? And I think some people are going to talk about Matt LaFleur and everything. Good for Matt LaFleur. He gets to call plays for Aaron Rodgers. That's awesome. But for me, the like real other coach of the year candidate for, and I'm going to sound like such a homer when I say this. And let me tell you, I, I'm willing to own it if I have to. I don't care. But to me, it's Zach Taylor over with the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm not just saying it because Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are LSU players and they're out of their minds and I have Louisiana ties and I'm from Louisiana and blah, blah, blah. It's not that. What that Cincinnati Bengals team was to what it is this year is the same criteria that Kevin Stefanski won coach of the year last year by with a team in the same division with the Cleveland Browns. It's simple. It's very, very simple. They weren't a winning team. They were not a winning organization. They were a losing organization. They have their comeback player of the year, but they lost their number one draft pick halfway through the season. Then they get him back. They build around him. They build an offense that takes them to the Super Bowl. Pretty simple to me. So for me, those are your two guys. To me, what the conversation is at Coach of the Year, it's Zach Taylor, who I would not be worried or would not be mad at hearing winning, right? But for me, it's Coach Payton. And give him the Louisiana Coach of the Year award or whatever it is that we have to give him to make sure that he understands that like he deserves that Coach of the Year recognition. All right. Next, we're going to talk about amongst all the injuries that Sean Payton had to combat. One of them happened in the middle of the final game, and it was uh, Taysom Hill and his foot injury. We have confirmation of what that injury is, what it means, and how it's going to impact his offseason. The Saints also brought back eight players on future reserve contracts, which means the players you can look forward to seeing in training camp a little bit around 200 days away. Let's talk about all that as we wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about my favorite app behind, well, you know, the Bluebird, of course, but it's the Get Upside app, the app that gives you money, that pays you for filling up at the pump, right? Don't be the type of person that just fills up to halfway and all that. Just fill up all the way. And here's the way it's going to help you do that. It's with Get Upside. By the way, I'm definitely the type of person that just fills up to like half or just fills up with a couple of dollars at a time or 20 bucks at a time, this app helped me not be that way anymore because they're giving you cash back off of your purchases and filling up at the station uh, at select gas stations. All you have to do, it's very simple, is go and fill up at one of the select gas stations, take a picture of your receipt with the app, and then they're going to take a portion of that up to 25 cents per gallon, put it right back into your account for you to be able to withdraw whenever you want. You can get it deposited direct, deposited, listen to me from Chicago, you can get it deposited directly to your bank account, you can get it as a 
Amazon gift card, Google Play uh, cash, or cash or credits or whatever. You can get it a whole bunch of different ways. And actually, let me help you out a little bit further. If you use the promo code TOUCHDOWN the first time you use it, you're going to get a 25 cent bonus, 50 cents up to 50 cents back per gallon on your first fill up. So go and check it out. It's the Get Upside app. Don't forget that promo code TOUCHDOWN so you can get up to 50 cents back by filling up with that Get Upside app. And Saints fans, while you're also trying to get the edge over at the gas station on here, you're also trying to get the edge on these NFL playoffs as well. And OnlineGambling.com is the place for you. And they're helping to sponsor today's podcast. If you don't know already, the website is one that is going to be dedicated to giving gamblers the edge when it comes to these NFL playoffs. So all throughout the postseason, they're going to be providing for you best NFL tips, news, and more to help make your bets as informed as ever. So don't miss out on this. OnlineGambling.com is giving gamblers and providing them the best information going in to make sure that you're making some money throughout this postseason. So you can go and check it out because they're going to have all the NFL tips, but they're also going to have a bunch of stuff for the playoffs. They're going to have a bunch of NFL news as well. Make sure you visit OnlineGambling.com slash NFL for all that latest gambling news and all of those betting tips for you as well all throughout the playoffs. Remember, that's OnlineGambling.com slash NFL to make the most of this year's NFL playoffs. Let's get it. Huda Nation wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints. We're going to talk about eight new players the Saints plan to bring back to training camp, what it means to their future, them under that reserve future deal and who they are. We'll talk about that. But I first want to talk a little bit about here uh, what head coach Sean Payton gave as an update to media on Monday about uh, quarterback Taysom Hill. Partway through the game and the win against the Atlanta Falcons, Taysom Hill left with a foot injury, walked off the field, went into the injury tent, walked back to the locker room without his left shoe on. Well, in that left foot, it seems that he is now dealing with a Liz Frank injury. This So a Liz Frank injury or a Liz Frank uh, uh, fracture, some folks will call it, is just a, a certain type of foot fracture. It's where the metatarsal bones at the top of your foot or like the bridge of your toes meets the rest of your foot. So think about like just a little bit further down from the arch, a little bit closer to the toes. So this is a big injury. Uh, you know, I, I looked up a bunch of different resources and everything, and most NFL players miss an average of 10 games or 10 weeks with this injury. But usually what that ends up meaning is the end of their season and then 11 months uh, of, of missed time. So that's usually sort of like what it is. But that includes people that like get injured at the beginning of a season and then they also have, you know, or it gets middle, you get injured in the middle of a season, but then also have like the entire off season off and stuff like that. So don't look, don't, don't feel too bad about that. But usually 10 games is the average for a player that misses this. So usually that should sound like, you know, he'll be ready for training camp or some portion of training camp perhaps and all of that. But right now there's no specific timetable for his return. According to Adam Schefter, the tricky part about this is that it's two surgeries. Cause I have to go under, he'll have to undergo surgery for this. There's sort of a, a surgery that happens that kind of repairs it, puts some, or, or puts hardware in place to repair it over time. And then once everything is kind of repaired, there's hardware that has to come out, if I understand correctly. So that would mean effectively two different surgeries that have to happen. It's like a surgery and then a smaller follow-up surgery, if you will. So that extends sort of the, the, the healing time after that second, but smaller follow-up surgery. Now, the tricky part about this is that 
he now has the Liz Frank injury in his left foot. He has the plantar fascia injury in his right foot. He has the hammer uh, or the, um, yeah, the hammer finger thing, mallet finger. That's it. Hammer toe, mallet finger. I always confuse him. The mallet finger, ring finger issue on his throwing hand. And then he had the concussion earlier on this season. So it's just a lot of offseason stuff for him to come back from. So now you kind of have Taysom Hill coming back from a bunch of stuff over the course of the offseason. Jameis Winston coming back from his ACL tear over the course of the offseason. And so that might factor into some decisions that the Saints have to make at quarterback over the course of the offseason in terms of looking at additional options or options in lieu of in terms of what they're looking at for recovery times and rehab process and how all of that goes. So definitely something that we'll keep up to date. But as of right now, if we assume that all things go well, Taysom Hill would be should be fine to begin the season next season. But his return table during training camp is a little bit hard to kind of pinpoint right now. So Definitely something to watch, right? Definitely something to watch when the Saints are going to be looking to figure out what's going to happen at the quarterback spot moving forward uh, going into 2022. Okay, so now up next, I want to wrap up by looking at reserve future contracts. So these are effectively small minimum deal contracts that don't count against the Saints salary cap for this season, but count against the 90 man roster and that piece of the salary cap next season in 2022. So the Saints are bringing back eight additional players, adding on to their roster once they get into training camp. What this reserve future contract does is that it doesn't cost the Saints any money this year, and they basically hold on to players that they're guaranteeing spots at the beginning of training camp next season, barring anything unforeseen. While a player is under a reserve future contract like this, another team can't turn around and sign them off of it like you see with the practice squad and stuff like that. So let's talk about the eight players that the Saints are bringing back, and we'll highlight a few along the way. The first one that we'll highlight is Kawan Baker, the wide receiver who was drafted out of Southern Alabama in the, uh, or the University of Southern Alabama, excuse me, uh, in last year's draft in the seventh round. Never really got a lot of playing time, got a little bit during that Miami Dolphins game, but that was kind of a wash all told. So they're bringing back the young wide receiver to see what he's able to continue to, you know, to to kind of rise into or grow into and develop into over his time with New Orleans. Um, didn't get a lot of playing time. Was inactive or on the practice squad throughout the entire off throughout the entire season for the most part. They didn't really get a good look at him, but great special teamer, really good blocker, does all the things that you would expect to see a seventh round pick do to hang around and stick around going into next season. That's exactly what you saw this year. Uh, Shree Finch, who almost had a fumble recovery against the Miami Dolphins, got some time playing there. Clearly, the Saints liked enough of what he did during that game action as well as throughout the season after they added him. So he'll be back. They're also bringing back offensive lineman Gerald Hawkins, defensive lineman Braxton Hoyt, who again also got some time during that Miami Dolphins game. And then a few defensive backs are coming back here. Dylan Maben, formerly of the Minnesota Vikings, added to the Saints midseason 6-1. Got a good build, good speed, very good special teamer. Jordan Miller, same thing, another corner coming back. Kavari Russell was actually a player that was added at the beginning of the offseason, or excuse me, at the beginning of training camp and added to that roster as a core special teamer with, with core special teamer potential. Ended up being mostly on the practice squad throughout this season when he was with the team. He'll be back to begin training camp. And somebody to definitely watch out for, Aesop Winston, the wide receiver that uh, fielded some punts in place, uh, well, fielded some punts as well as kicks in place of uh, Deontay Hardy when he was not available throughout the season. Remember Deontay Harris, now Deontay Hardy going into next season. We'll be referring to him as Deontay Hardy moving forward. Uh, that was also me saying that a few times to get the repetition down, so I started to build a habit. But Aesop Winston, somebody that's able to do that, and also somebody that can kind of stretch the field a little bit, but was a fantastic returner 
at uh, it went in college at Washington State, spent some time as well doing that for New Orleans. Sean Payton, very complimentary of Aesop Winston stepping into that role with very little uh, kind of, you know, lead in when he had to step into it with the suspension for uh, Deontay Hardy. So uh, great to see them bringing all those players back. Those are all players that you can expect to see over the course of the offseason that will be on the New Orleans Saints roster and then getting in the training camp. These will not be the only reserve future deals. Expect to see more continue as you know, players' seasons fully come to an end with 14 teams in the playoffs here. Um, last thing I want to update, so far, no one from the New Orleans Saints getting any of those head coaching or general manager job interviews as of right now. Big names to watch, of course, are going to be Dennis Allen, the New Orleans Saints defensive coordinator, and Jeff Ireland, the uh, uh, assistant uh, general manager, but also director of pro, excuse me, draft personnel, right, of college scouting. So two big names to watch there when it comes to all of these interviews and open positions across the NFL. All right, y'all, don't forget to come through tomorrow. It's Film Watch Wednesday. We're going to break down some big moments from Sunday's win against the Atlanta Falcons and what they tell you about the future of the New Orleans Saints, kind of put some things in context in terms of what they're starting to build throughout the offseason and where we can sort of see where those spots are that need to be filled and where they might have some good options. We'll talk about all of that and much more, as well as, of course, keep you up to date with everything, the absolute latest around the New Orleans Saints here every Monday through Friday, five days a week, even throughout the offseason here on the Locked On Saints podcast. Thanks, as always, for making the show your first listen of the day. Don't forget for your second listen to go and check out your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Make yourself some money over at Locked On Bets. As always, y'all, thank you so much for making us a part of your day. For everything you need around the New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.